Hello and welcome to episode 111 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Farrell Keeling to discuss Liverpool's goalless draw with Chelsea. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So, Liverpool and Chelsea playing out another nil-nil draw. I think that's about five in a row now. Um, This was a game starved of clear-cut chances, you'd have to say. Chelsea thought they'd scored within actually a couple of minutes when when Havertz kind of turned in from a corner. Turned out that was offside. And that was really all, all there was in terms of Big, big openings. You know, Chelsea did have a, a couple of, of decent chances maybe at, at their end. But, um, yeah, short on short on quality, uh, short on entertainment, probably if you're a neutral and just all a little bit frantic. And it's kind of as you were for, for both of these uh, struggling teams. So, Farrell, um, let's go straight in with the three-word match reviews and um, an assessment of the performance, please. Oh, three-word three match review. Um uh, meh, unenergetic, <laughs> encouraging. <laughs> decent, decent. I think that that kind of um, about you. That kind of sums it up. I I'd go with um, mid-table feel or a mid-table feel. If you're going to say mid-table's one word, um, it was ninth against tenth, and much as last week against Brighton when Liverpool looked like a team who were below Brighton in the league. So they did look like a team who were who were ninth in the Premier League, um, and it, the whole class just had had the feeling it was really scrappy. Like I say, the, there was very little quality in it. Neither of these teams would look at that and say that that, that was their first choice at eleven, maybe. But but even still, um, you can sort of see why the two teams are where they are in the table. Um, to be fair, and it's not one of those that. Inspires are adding too much trouble of being a side capable of being where they want to be at this stage, which is in which is in that top four. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's that that was what I, I tweeted after the game as well. It was it certainly had the feel of ninth against tenth. I mean, if we actually break down the game, you'd probably say Chelsea obviously with that, that disallowed goal early on started quite well. Liverpool um, second best until maybe the last maybe ten minutes of the sec of the first half. Improved a little bit then, still wanted a bit more. Really encouraging starts to the second half. Um, for the first 10-15 minutes of that, that fizzles out. And then at, at the end of the game, it was a little bit end-to-end and continued that sort of scruffy feel of both teams just trying to uh, work a clear-cut chance. But, you know, there was, there was players falling all over the place, tackles flying in, you know, the, it just wasn't really smooth and flowing whatsoever. So, I mean, how, how, do, how do you kind of assess that when it was when it was so messy on the pitch? I mean... Did you see it as a a step back from from Wolves in midweek? Was it um, building on that in any way, or is it just kind of you've, you've not really gone anywhere? You just kind of stalled out a little bit. I think my first initial thought um, after the game was, "Oh, this this feels like a step back." Um, having had time to reflect on it. Um, I'm not quite prepared to say it's a step forward, um, but I think the important thing is we're not going backwards uh, with, with this. You know, I think we've seen so many times, you know, this season you win a game, you get your hopes up and then we play someone worse and then we end up losing. Um, so I, I, as you said, I think you've summed it up sort of pretty well there. You know, momentum sort of shifted so many times in that match. And I think we're both kind of in similar positions to Chelsea in terms of 
needing probably further surgery, though our recruitment seems a bit bit less haywire than Chelsea's at the moment. Um, I, I I think the the important thing is there are there were encouraging signs there. You know, the midfield that were the was selected. Klopp went for the bold call there, but the right call in my eye, which was Basetic, Thiago, um, and of course Nabi Keita. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I I was personally very happy to see that midfield, and I think that selection call was vindicated yet again. 18 years of age, that lad Stefan Basetic, and produced another, I think, really largely solid performance uh, in the midfield. That for me, that's that's my starting midfield until someone gets injured or. Someone in <laughs> we bring in someone if we happen to bring in someone. I, I to be honest, I doubt it at this stage of the window that we'll bring someone in, but you never know. Last few days, we've, we've seen it happen before. Um, I think bizarrely, but I mean, we, we've seen that up until this point, the midfield has been the glaring issue in the squad. Yes, there were other issues across the pitch, but we all could point to the midfield and say that is the problem area. But bizarrely, I was watching the game and it kind of occurred to me that you know, I mean, one that the back line looks incredibly nervy. Just incredibly. I don't know if that's just purely because Virgil's not there and his leadership and organisation. But I think even when he has been there this season, it's it's we've had like really good individual performances, but not really good, uh, not a good collective performance from the back line. Equally, bit problematic. Before. I'm I'm not quite sure what Jurgen was thinking um, positionally there. I think Harvey was good on the left, but realistically, your best bet would have been Harvey on the right, uh, Salah down the middle, and Gakpo down the left. We, we, we've seen it. We've seen it at the World Cup. We've seen it at PSV. He likes cutting in from the left. That's that's where he thrives. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a bit baffled as to that. So yeah. I think he could have helped himself out a bit there. And I, I did almost wonder whether that nervousness that was sort of creeping from the back line, and not 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 so much nervousness up top, but like, I suppose a lack of decisiveness up, up top, and that sort of mingled all together, and that was just sort of spreading this kind of negative atmosphere uh, through the starting 11 and you, you could see that I think I think the midfield was good but I don't think it was phenomenal and I think you know I think we had a few sort of misplaced passes from from Keita and Thiago but I think you know again I really want to stress the midfield was the best part um, <laughs> of that game so I, I not not quite leading towards a step forward but I think there are some encouraging signs there I think it's really looking like you know, once you put Darwin back into that eleven, you inject some energy, you inject some enthusiasm. I think that's going to be Liverpool's best bet, provided we can avoid injuries with that midfield um, in terms of moving forward. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's hazardous from that point of view, I suppose. Um, I I I want to talk about the team selection. I'm not too sure about it. You know, I probably have a more ambivalent view um, than you do. I think Farrell because. Me, me and Dan were on the, the kind of pre-game podcast for this, and we said that we don't necessarily think Bicetic is ready um, for the game. So when it when he went with him, I was I wasn't too maybe surprised based on you know his performance against Wolves after beating you done, but um, I didn't necessarily think it was the right call. I think it, it's kind of a grey area in terms of whether it was or not, um, really based on how it played out. I mean. Let's not lose sight of just how big I call this is. You know, I've just written an article about this um, after the game. And you have Fabinho, you know, this is a player who's, who's nearly made 200 appearances for Liverpool, 29 years old, one of the highest paid players in the squad. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, you look at what he's won and what he's achieved, his sort of status in the game. A home match against Chelsea, which he's, he should 
be completely fit for. And the 18-year-old who's never started a Premier League match before, I think has only played sort of eight times for Liverpool, full stop, gets to nod ahead of him. I mean, that is damning, really. You know, that is um, a, a massive call from Klopp. And I think it's something as well which you have to take as a, a serious warning to Fabinho because, to me, I'm reading into that and saying, if you don't raise your game between now and the end of the season, we're going to have to seriously consider whether you know we want you to be our number one in that area, which was unthinkable, I guess, at the start of the season that that would happen. But but such have been his struggles, and obviously that wasn't the only sort of a meritocratic point of the of the selection. We saw you know catering for Henderson, like you say, um, Gomez um, starting this one after Matip had played the last couple in the Premier League. Um, and we'll, we'll come on to Gomez a little bit later, I think. But yeah, but by Setich, I thought had this sort of all right game. I mean, that yellow card was a bit frustrating. And, um, you know, there was the moment as well when he was driving forward with the ball and then you know, he was driving into a lot of space in front of him. And um, if you're Chelsea, that's probably exactly who you want to be running forward with it. And if Liverpool, it's maybe, you know, you don't want him to be the man who's, who's in that position. And you could see he was a little bit short on confidence there. But yeah, I think... You know, he he looked like you know. Sometimes you see a youngster playing, and you're like, they look like um, they look really raw, or they look really um, you know, on the flip side that they look you know beyond their years. I think he looked like what he was today. I think he looked like a promising youngster, um, and he, he did okay. Um, but obviously, you've already given your thoughts on um the actual midfield selection, um, and you know, fully supporting it. What do you think more generally of this more um? meritocratic selection like I say today you know there's been a lot of talk recently about whether Klopp's too loyal but today he um, has quite bravely really um, backed those players who delivered against Wolves and and dropped those who have generally been trusted by him but just haven't been delivering um, in recent times I mean you made a point right there that was um, looking at Fabinho's the quality of his performances this season and again you know I'm right with you at the, you know, following on off the back of the prior season, I don't think anyone saw um, that that ideal midfield of Henderson, Thiago and Fabinho being changed anytime soon. Obviously, Klopp's had to make these decisions. I, I think they're necessary decisions ultimately, because I think even, I mean, I've got some stats here I've pulled up from um, Stephen Drennan's Twitter account uh, just on the impact that Henderson and Fabinho, or the lack of impact, I should say, made when they came onto the pitch. Um, so I think Nunes won five challenges um, in, in his cameo. Uh, admittedly, I think Henderson and Fabinho had far less time, um, but both didn't make a single challenge in the game. You know what I mean? And, and when Klopp's talking, so several press conferences now about, you know, look, when analysing like the quality of the performances, it's a, a, an absolute minimum you need to be winning your challenges um that's not just the middle of the park that's across the pitch again evidenced by the importance of, of Nunes delivering that onto the pitch having that presence up top having that at the back equally all important especially when you're a club like Liverpool that defend from the front but I I think in terms of those selections I, I think it's I'm, I'd be quite pleased just to see Klopp keep doing that to be honest keep rewarding meritocracy you know he's this isn't anything new from Klopp. You know, he said that from day dot when he first came, you know, in 2015, he'd be prepared to reward not just quality on the training ground, but quality on the pitch. I think, I see your point about Bicetic, um, but I think largely, I would say he didn't put a foot wrong. And I think we're at a point where we need 
we need not just you know legs but that reliability in the, in the middle of the park and i think ultimately if 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 the likes of fabinho if the likes of jordan henderson aren't getting the message um between now and the end of the season i think we absolutely and that's i know that seems bonkers to suggest but we do seriously need to consider their future in this liverpool squad um i, I mean which is bonkers partly because fabinho's t- 29, I think. <laughs> it's 29, yeah, I think. 29. Um, so you think realistically, you know, on account of most holding midfielders of his quality, he should realistically have a career that, that's spanning into well into his mid 30s, um, even despite how, how much uh, the last seasons took out of everyone's legs. Um, arguments will be raised, of course. This Liverpool squad has, has climbed to the top of the mountain several times already. Do these players have it in them to keep doing that? Um, you bring on a, a, a young, yes, a young player in it by Setich, but a hungry player, and the difference shows. You bring on Kaita, who has a bit of a has had a bit of a stop-start career um, at Liverpool, and it, it shows. It shows he's there. He's there on the pitch. I think he's contributing. Similarly with Thiago, obviously he's experienced the highs at Liverpool, but he's not been around as long. Um, and again, I thought he was phenomenal uh, against Chelsea. So I, I think. I think I think Klopp has to keep with the meritocracy, um, especially when he, we're not in we're not in a position where top four football looks largely guaranteed, which is you know an enviable position we've had of late uh, in in the Klopp regime. We need we need improvements going forward. I think it would be a disservice to opt for more experience when we know we're not necessarily going to get the performance that's going to match to that on the pitch. Yeah, I think it's good to, you know, some people would accuse Klopp of maybe not being responsive enough um, in certain situations. I don't think he got everything right today um, by any means, and maybe we'll touch on a couple of those things, but um, it, it was good at least to see him be a little bit more maybe proactive with it rather than just, you know, trying to get get, get the tune out of the same sort of group of players. And um, yeah, I think... The Fabinho one, like I say, I just feel like it was a a huge moment um, for him, and um, we'll have to see how he sort of responds to it going forward. Now, um, I think with him, it was you know you look at the World Cup, and he plays ninety minutes between the middle of November and just before Christmas, and you're like, okay, is that rest going to be what he needs? Because a lot of people have put his struggles down to uh, fatigue. Um, which might still be a factor, but his performances, I think, haven't really improved on the whole since then. So then you start to look at it and you're like, okay, so maybe it isn't all down to the physical side. Maybe um, subconsciously he needs subconsciously he needs the challenge that he hasn't really had from a player who can genuinely come in. Because we've seen Henderson there from time to time, but I think Klopp was saying today to Fabinho, look, I've got someone now who I seriously trust to, to step in if you're not going to deliver and I still expect slightly different to you I think Farrell or maybe different to what you prefer I still expect Fabinho to start the majority of Liverpool's games between now and the end of the season but you know if he's shown now that if there isn't a, a measurable improvement with him then that, that certainly isn't guaranteed and that's that's a good thing to have in the squad whether you know, you, you probably want someone who's a little bit further forward in their development and by set should play that role, but um he's good enough that it, it might just uh, might just be viable. We'll have to say on that. Um 
So our kind of plan with this podcast is to maybe look a little bit more at the at the negative side um, of things and then touch on some of the, the positive performances, positive aspects later on. So let's think about the actual result in the game. We were talking beforehand about how it's a it's a matchup of two dysfunctional teams and, and those are the kind of teams right now that you back the Liverpool team to beat as opposed to those kind of well-drilled sides who might be able to pick a hole um, through them and and Chelsea have you know been quite flawed in terms of uh, of creating chances um, under Potter. It felt like it did feel in terms of relaunching those kind of top four ambitions that that this was a, a game that Liverpool needed to pick up three points from. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's not a disaster. I think it's nine points. Off, off the top four. That's the that's the thing we need to keep in mind. Admittedly, it would sound a whole lot better if we got three and it was seven points uh, to Newcastle in fourth on equal equal number of games played uh, at the halfway point of the season. But to be nine points, I mean, I, I saw Jose Enrique sort of tweet after the game. That, that's it. No chance that we'll make top four. I, I kind of, I don't know. I think that's too defeatist for me. Maybe I'm being too positive in the situation, but I, I think nine points, nineteen games to go. You never know. You never know. Because, again, you look at the players we've got coming back. We've got Virgil coming back. We've got Luis Diaz. Um, we, of course, have Diogo Jota. Um, and, and you look at sort of have, having those influences, especially up in the forward line, when you've got players like Salah, who's probably not quite hitting the numbers he should be hitting. How, how much of that is is due to the dysfunction across the rest of the squad isn't clear. Um, but I, I think, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a case to be made in terms of Liverpool needed quality in midfield. We're probably not going to add that in, in, in the January window. And I appreciate the impact it's probably going to have on our top four push. But I think I'm, I'm not immediately worried. I think ask me again in five or six games, maybe. And if it's if it's still, you know, nine, ten points, then I think maybe I might be starting to get a point where, I, you know, we're going to need to see an immediate improvement um, if we're going to catch these, especially when you look at, you know, Newcastle, you can argue, are overperforming at the moment, probably with their squad. United have been hitting some c- consistency. Again, how, how long that will last is, is difficult to determine. But, you know, beyond that, I think you'd say first and second, it's either going to be Arsenal or City, probably Arsenal at this stage. Uh, <laughs> um, so two spots in there to play for. Two spots in there to play for. And I think it's achievable uh, for Liverpool at this stage. I, I mean, I don't know, how, how are you feeling with it at the moment? Are you... Are you confident or are you quite a bit sort of on the fence with it? I think in my head, I still have this sort of assumption that we'll be in there. But I think I don't know if that's denial more so than anything else, because like, <laughs> has, there be, has there been sort of a, enough tangible signs that Liverpool are a Champions League level team this season? Probably not. But also because of the World Cup, we're a lot further back in the season than we ordinarily would be on, on the 21st of January. It is only the halfway point today, like you say. There's still a long way to go to, um, you know, to change the course of it. And he just has to, he has to hit on a formula. You know, if we look back a couple of years, I go to the, the season where we had all the injuries. That's what he managed to do in the running was to hit on a formula, and we had, we had a great record in that stretch. That's what we need again. Um, right now, we haven't necessarily seen. I mean, maybe this midfield is is, is the beginnings of that. Who knows? Um, we haven't necessarily seen the turn and point come just yet, but not ready to sort of concede it whatsoever. I think um, you know there's still too long to go for that. But um, like I say, he 
the, the blueprint is still take either taking shape or still yet to be um, fully found, I'd say. Um, let's talk about a couple of the attackers. We'll start with Gakpo. Why was he still playing through the middle when uh, Darwin Nunez came on? I've, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, to tell you the truth. Um, I, I mean, there was, there was the one instance, I think it was in the first half, um, I think it was Lewis. I think it was Hall. He dispossessed. I think um, won the ball back. Shot yeah. goes over the over the bar. But like a really good moment. What exactly what you wanted to see from a a Liverpool forward in a generally like high functioning Klopp team, winning the ball high up the pitch, creating a goal scoring opportunity. Perfect. Exactly what you want to see. And I I don't know whether Klopp's been seeing more 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 of this from Gappo in training and wanted to just kind of experiment um but it just didn't i mean the experiment largely didn't i, I don't think he played badly um you know i, I think there were, there were some really sort of again encouraging moments from him it, it's just not a you know it, it's it's not an eight out of ten performance by any, any stretch of the means but it's encouraging but i think largely it just didn't really seem to work you know i think Elliot just it, just it wasn't Elliot's position I, i'm not too sure why why that call was made as i as i say we we, we know we know where, where Gakpo performs well, and it's on the left cutting in. We've seen that at the World Cup. We've seen that from from the snippets we've seen him in playing for PSV. So I'm, I'm not too, not too sure why that why that decision was made. I, I think to be honest, Mo could have probably benefited from being closer to goal as well. So it, it wasn't just it just wasn't a decision that made the greatest bit of sense. Um, again, I, I think it was probably leaning more towards the experiment, and I, I'd, I'd imagine. Going forward, especially having Darwin back, I'd imagine Gakpo will probably revert back to the left. Darwin yeah. will come central, and then it's just really a question um, if we're looking at the system of meritocracy of whether we keep Salah on, on the starting eleven. Because I, I, th- I think, and I know that's again, it's can seem a bonkers suggestion, but I don't. If we look past the persona of Mo Salah, I don't think he's done enough to warrant a starting berth of late. I think I'd rather give the spot to Harvey Elliott, to be completely honest with you at the moment. Again, I appreciate it's a bit insane. We're talking about Mo Salah here. But if we're going to be speaking from a purely meritocratic sense, you know, dump Fabinho, dump Henderson, we should be having that discussion about Mo Salah. We should be having that discussion. Uh, there, are, there have been players who Harvey's been performing a lot better, I think, than of, of late. Um but again, maybe that's a discussion for another podcast. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. What, what did you what, what did you make of, of the decision to play Gakpo centrally? Do you think it was just an experiment, or I think you know you can put him there for the first what was just after the 60th minute when Nunez came on, wasn't it? Um, I understand why why he's playing there until then. I just thought I couldn't make sense from what I'd seen why you'd play two players out of position in that scenario and yeah it was a head scratcher for me um and with Gakpo it's like on the on one level there's mitigation for what I think has been a pretty flat start to his Liverpool career um because you know this isn't his favorite position you know things the, the structure isn't there around and the confidence isn't there around and all things like that you know and and that's why sort of on the previous couple of podcasts, we haven't really spoke about him. Um, I think today the positional thing makes it interesting. Having said that, you know, he needs to 
I feel he does need to be a um, a decent centre forward option for Liverpool if, if he's going to get enough minutes because Diaz is, is going to be, I think, the guy for Liverpool on the left. I think he, he he's the the clock player really more so than Gakpo in terms of exactly what he wants from that position. Um, and if for me, you know, his time at the club is coming to an end, you know, say he signs a new contract, even even then it, it could be um, his last sort of couple of years if he's not to leave this summer. So I think long term, I look at it and I think Gakpo needs to be a centre forward option. Um, so he needs to learn in that position. It's a shame that he's been thrust into it straight away. I think rather than playing in his favoured role. Um, so hopefully now we get a, a run of of sort of Salah, Gakpo, um, Nunez with a Nunez through the middle this time and, and Gakpo on the left. I think that is um, we didn't, we've not really I think we saw that against uh, against Wolves in that game. But if we can if we can see it for a longer period, hopefully things start to click and. We'll have Jota coming back in not too long, hopefully. And I think then it comes down to, you know, who's, um, you know, how, how are they performing and, and can Jota take their play, any of their places off them? There, there were some similarities today between Gakpo and Nunez in that he was really, really snatching at chances and he's done that a few times now. Um, desperate to get that first goal and, you know, to have those players in the forward line who, who are, I think, you know, Gakpo and Nunez especially are, do seem quite um that they need they need the goals for the confidence. They don't it doesn't seem to be coming necessarily naturally to them. And and Salah is a player who I think it always has confidence, but I, I've been sort of making this point that he's not played well enough in the Premier League this season. And I think there was a discussion earlier in the in the campaign about it quite widely that, that Salah was kind of struggling and not getting the service all that. Then it kind of went quiet. I think largely because of how well Salah was doing in the Champions League. I think he scored sort of seven goals in the six group games. Um, but if you look at it now, he's actually got like, after 19 Premier League games, you know, Salah's on seven goals. I mean, for Ma- if Mohamed Salah finishes the Premier League season on 14 goals and, and he's fifth the whole time, you think something's seriously wrong there. And that's what he's on course for at the moment. You know, it's he's had the... The impact in the other competitions, and I think he's it's it's quite bizarre to see him score more in the non Premier League competition that he does actually in the top flight. But um, that's what it's been so far. And um, you know, as much as there are systemic problems at play, and you can say that for a lot of Liverpool's players this season, in his actual moments where he has the ball in a game, when he's in front of goal, um, and, and when he's out there trying to make an impact in other ways, he's not been doing well enough. I think today was another example of that. I thought. He had a bad game today and uh, maybe has escaped criticism a little bit. So I kind of, um, I, I'm not sure it comes to the point, as you say, where his player's place is necessarily under threat largely because there maybe isn't a compelling alternative, but he definitely needs to, to step up. I, I have confidence that he will because that that's in his nature, I think, is to kind of drag the team up with him, but not been good enough for, for, from him in, in, in this Premier League season. He's almost saved his best form for, for the Champions League up to now, but like I said, let, let's come on to some of the positives uh, for the final few minutes. Um, I, I have kind of two in mind, um, Faddle, so I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about those or maybe throw some other names into the hat. I would say Andy Robertson was probably Liverpool's best player. Thought he had the, a ropey star, should have got booked for that. I mean, that was a violent trip on, um, on Conor Gallagher. I was like, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen, like what colour card's going to come out here. Didn't get anything in the end. Um but yeah, so tricky start. Really grows into it, though. He looked like the one 
if anyone was going to inspire something, it was going to be him today. And also, um, a good day for the Joe Gomez fan club, which I'm, I think, the honorary president of, um, because he was uh, he played really well. He he justified the decision, I think, of Klopp to uh, to include him, and uh, should be his place to lose really until Van Dyke Van Dyke comes back, I'd say. But yeah, so what did you think of those two? And um, anyone else we've not mentioned so far who you think deserves a, a shout out? Yeah, no, I definitely I'd agree with with Robbo. I was actually. Thinking as well to add with the, the Gakpo discussion, it really didn't even make sense not playing on the left because I think the, the early signs when we started, when we introduced him to the starting 11, he seemed to be forming a really good understanding with Robbo. Um, so for me, I thought, because I suppose the one criticism with, with Louis Diaz was that, you know, obviously brilliant player, um, but perhaps didn't have total synergy um, <laughs> with Robbo. Um, Gakpo seemed to have that right from the off. Um, so, so for me, it's well. There you go. There's your left flank kind of sorted. I think you surely that's a that's a relationship you want to encourage um, on the pitch. So I think moving Gakpo centrally, you you detract from that, uh, whilst also detracting from Harvey Elliott's uh, best position and probably the best use of Salah in that situation with those three available players. Um, but yeah, I'd absolutely agree with, with Robertson. I thought he was, you know, I thought he was a breath of fresh air. You know, runs into the box like you know. One of our more offensive players, really, in that match, which was which was good but strange to see at the same time. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think I, I yeah I, I thought I thought Joe was good. I think there was a period at the start. I think with that offside, was it, was it Gomez that wasn't looking behind him for for that for the offside goal? I think there was. Um, um, it was. I think the cop was shouting man on because he had the ball played back to him, yeah. and then and then Havertz kind of just pounced and, and ran around him and got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so there, there was that period, but I think other than that, I think yeah, I think I think solid. I think solid. Not maybe not setting the world alight, but I think yeah, reliable. Um, again, you know, no goals conceded. You know, and I, I think you know, especially when they brought on Mudrick, I thought, oh, you know, <laughs> there's, you know there, there's there as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's yeah. a player that's that's ready made for the Premier League. That'd be very interesting to see how he does. Um, in terms of players. I think I really want to talk about, you know, I thought Thiago, again, just quietly, you know, it's always the same with Thiago. Everyone seems to complain about a lack of goals or a lack of assists, but it's not really why we brought him into the team. Um, fundamentally, let's just get that stru- right straight from the off. You know, and I, I just thought, you know, it was, it was brilliant. You know, I think one one eleven eleven out of Liverpool's 46 duels in total. That's just Thiago. <laughs> out of 46 so almost a quarter of, of the total team's deals which is insane given given the kind of player that he is that he's been basically lumped not only with you know uh, being Liverpool's um, chief like build-up king um, but also you know you know in terms of our in terms of, we talked about challenges and Klopp talking about the need for someone to put a foot in and, and get that part right. That is an absolute basic right. You know, he, he's been the most reliable performer in that particular department. I think he's been absolutely integral. I think, you know, even, even when he was placed in the midfield with, with Henderson and Fabinho, he, he was the one player that always put a shift in and I think was our most reliable, has been our most reliable midfield performer all season. Um, so, I, yeah, definitely need to be talking about him. Um Again, very. I mean, we mentioned uh, Darwin earlier, <laughs> earlier in the in the chat. Um, really encouraging. I think you know you could see him on the pitch, like he was just cajoling his teammates. You know, it, it, there was that real sort of 
it's been a word that's been overused this season for its lack of, but like intensity, there was a real sort of intensity about him. And I think, you know, it was a game that was absolutely crying out for him. And I think, you know, if, if he'd been a bit fresher sort of coming back from that injury and started, you know, you never know, Liverpool might have just squeezed in one or two and we'd be talking about a completely different situation in terms of our top four hopes. Um, so I think, yeah, those two. And yeah, you know what? A, a little shout for Alisson too, because, there's another, there's another player that's been really consistent this season. In a, in a time where key performers have been criticised for a lack of consistency, I think, yeah, Alison, key again. Yeah, and, and on that, actually, let's just um, check, because obviously we kept a clean sheet against against Wolves um, in midweek, but the last for the last one in the Premier League, you have to go back to, let's just see. Oh, wow, this is a long, long way. <laughs> it looks like, and I might have missed one here, but it looks like, Liverpool won West Ham nil on the 19th of October. Um, so that's three months, basically, without a clean sheet. So thankfully, we got one of those today. I think, um, let's see if we can get Van Dijk, if we can get Van, Van Dijk back into the team, we can get this kind of front three and maybe try a little bit more to midfield. Maybe that is something. Um, there were times today where Liverpool did look but like they lack cohesion, I think, especially for periods in that first half when they were struggling to kind of build through what was a good sort of setup for Chelsea. Um, definitely an improvement in the second half, but it's still, um, yeah, it still definitely feels like a work in progress, um, more so than we we all expected it to. But yeah, I think that about wraps us up for this episode. Yeah. Um, so Liverpool's next game, um, back to Brighton, um, not a very appealing one, um, but at least an opportunity for redemption after. A dreadful game recently, so chance to um, continue our defence of the FA Cup. But in the meantime, if you're listening on Spotify, um, follow the podcast so it pops up in your feed. Uh, please give it a five star rating, and um, you can press the notifications button too, so you get a message every time we put out a new episode. And um, sort of same for every other podcast platform as well. And we're uploading episodes to YouTube now, so if you are watching on there, uh, like the video. Please, if you can, subscribe to the channel. And yeah, you can also add notifications on there too. And also obviously tell your friends about the podcast well if you're enjoying it. So yeah, that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Thanks to Farrell for jumping on and we'll see you next time. Sure.